Thanks for checking out this message from Coastal Community Church. We hope it's helpful and encouraging. Good morning. Uh, I am Pastor Scott. I am the associate pastor here. I'm uh, excited that you have come this morning to worship with us and join with us this morning as we open up God's Word together. Uh, one more announcement that I want to make, uh, just to follow up the ones that you just heard, is that this Tuesday night at 6.30, uh, we are having a Christmas party for college age and young adults, so 18 to 30. Not that you think you fit into that category, but you are in that category, okay? So 18 to 30, if you feel like this is ageism and you want to petition for that, email me. We'll set up application interview, the whole kind of deal, and we'll get it worked out, okay? Uh, but that's this Tuesday night, 630. Uh, if you are between the age of 18 and 30, we want to have you come and join us. It's just going to be a night of uh, community and fellowship. We're just going to we're gonna play some games. We have volleyball going, uh, have some games, some snacks, and things like that. It's really just an opportunity. We have so many college and 20-somethings that come here uh, every Sunday, and you all don't know each other, and you're not you're just not connected with each other. And we want to connect you and get everybody in a room together and have some fun, and so it's really just an, a night of meeting people and fellowship uh, and having a good time. So if you are uh, in between those ages, feel free to come Tuesday night at 6.30. Bring some friends with you if you'd like uh, as well, uh, but that's this Tuesday night. Uh, just going to have a great time together. Uh, today, we are continuing our series, It's a Wonderful Life. And last week, Pastor Ryan mentioned, he was like, I don't know how we're saying it, because it's like, it's a wonderful life, it's a wonderful life. You're like, What's the, where's the emphasis? What are we really saying? Uh, the way I've been looking at it over these last few weeks is that when somebody says, it's a wonderful life, and your response is like, it's a wonderful life? Like, that's the way I'm thinking of it. Because the idea that, uh, that we were originally feel like, and God kind of just laid on our heart as we looked into this series, was that Christmas, a lot of times, is not a great time for some people. That it's a tough time, it's a dark time, it's a, a, a moment of you know, remembering or, or bad memories or memories of things in, in the past. Uh, maybe it's even just a struggle at this time of year for you as, a, as an individual, as a family. And so we want to just be able to focus on this passage of Scripture out of Isaiah 9, uh, verse 6, where we're trying to tell you and let you know that it is indeed a wonderful life. And so let's look at that this morning just to kind of get us going here. Isaiah 9, 6, it says, For to us a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now, two weeks ago, Pastor Chris uh, preached on the very first one, Wonderful Counselor, and how we have this God that we can go to and seek out, and who can uh, give us uh, wisdom and provide for us, and be able just to, to be there, someone to go to in these times uh, of trouble specifically, but also just in times of our life, and to be able to have this Wonderful Counselor. Last week, Pastor Ryan preached on Mighty God, and he shared with you some amazing statistics and numbers about how powerful our God is and how intricate and detailed creation is and the way things go and work together and just the power and the, the man, I'm just amazed at all the different things that he was able to share with us about how mighty and how powerful our God really is. And today we're going to look at Everlasting Father. Next week, we're going to finish it up with Prince of Peace. You're going to hear about the God who is the one of peace. But today, everlasting Father. Everlasting is not a word that we use very often these days. It's not a word that we throw around. We kind of know what it means. Uh, it seems to you know, last forever and eternal and things like that. Uh, so I got to thinking, what are some things that we feel like last forever? Maybe they really do or they don't. But what are things that seem like they have just gone on and on and on? How about the song? 
This is the song that never ends. You know what I'm talking about? It's going to be in, the rest, in your head the rest of the day. And that was my goal with that, okay? I want you to be singing it all day today, right? Like that song, it just keeps going. Like it just continues and it just goes on and on and on and on. But what about things like uh, this week? Star Wars is coming out. It seems like Star Wars has been going on forever. But so many people, including myself, are very excited about it and getting to see it. And so uh, that comes out this week. But it's been going on for like 40 years. And like, man, it seems like it's been going on a very long time. What about the careers of some people like Willie Nelson, 86 years old, Tina Turner, 80 years old? They've had careers that have spanned, you know, decades upon decades and like had the opportunity to be able to do what they love and they're passionate about and sing and be able to perform. And, you know, Willie Nelson's like still touring like right now, like he's on tour. Like that's insane to think, but it seems like it's been going on forever. Some of you are thinking this sermon is going to go on forever if you don't get to the point, right? Like, that's what you're thinking. Like, this is going to take a long time. He's just in the intro, right? Like, this whole idea of something lasting forever. But sometimes there's other things that maybe are a little more, uh, that we didn't really maybe even know or understand that were, uh, seem like they go forever. Did you know that honey has an indefinite shelf life? That it lasts, like, it just lasts. Like, they don't know when it really goes bad. Honey has an indefinite shelf life. So what that means is like if the apocalypse comes and you're left here, find the crazy people that have all the bees and the honey and all that kind of stuff, right? Because they're going to have food and things for you uh, for all the years to come. And like, so flock to those people if that happens. But what about something that's even a little bit more serious? What about words? You see, our words, whether they're positive or whether they're negative, can have a huge impact on our life or somebody else's life. And something small that we say, even out of anger or in just in a, in a moment of... Uh, frustration, and they can last forever in, uh, in somebody's mind, in somebody's heart. You speak something uh, negative to somebody, and you call them out, you call them a name, you call them out on something that they've done or something they, they're going to do, and, uh, and you, or you just speak just anger towards them. I mean, it can stick. It can stick to where it ruins relationships and families, and maybe Christmas season isn't good all because of something that was said years ago. But you can also have the other way, the other impact of that in saying that something that is positive can have an amazing influence in somebody's life. And how many times do you hear success stories of people when they're uh, adults and they're like, oh, I remember my third grade teacher, she just told me this. And like ever since then, I've just been holding on to that and it's just pushed me and motivated me. You know, if, if you're a coach or you've had coaches in your life and they've spoke into your life and they've shared things with you, teachers and uh, all these different people that have spoke something into your life and you've been able to take that and hear that and it's just pushed you and, and made you just pursue after something even more complete than you or more, more than you would have uh, had you not heard it. And so your words, your words are something that do that. But also, what about the scars that you have? Sometimes we have physical scars that last, you know, for the rest of our life. We did something stupid when we were a kid, and it lasts, and you always see it, and you're like, oh, I remember that time. Jumping the fence, and there it went, you know? Like, you know, there's those kinds of things, but not just those. But what about emotional scars? I mean, things like uh, emotional pain, depression, anxiety, broken relationships, all those kinds of things. Those are scars as well, and those are things that seem to last forever. But what we are talking about today, what we want to focus on today, is how the God of the universe is everlasting, how he's always been and how he always will be. And so today, just to kind of get us going on the ideas of the words everlasting Father, some synonyms for the word everlasting, continuous, eternal, without ceasing, never-ending, permanent. You see, Isaiah's prophetic word right here says that the coming Messiah is eternal. His name should be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He will have always been and he will always be. 
His role is as a father for his followers, and it will be permanent. But not just everlasting, but also the word father is listed here. Everlasting father. To realize that this is a benevolent protector is what this really means. And a benevolent protector is also kind of maybe a little bit easier to understand. A compassionate guardian. Someone who is compassionate about people. Someone who loves people and has mercy and offers that up and, uh, freely. But someone who is compassionate, but also a guardian. Somebody that watches over and protects and provides and does those things as well. But this is not, I want to make sure and make clear that when it says everlasting Father, this is not talking about God the Father, like the part of the Trinity, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is talking about the Son, Jesus, but He is the everlasting Father. And these words are portraying Him as King, as an eternal King. Isaiah twenty-two twenty-one says, And He shall be a Father to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to the house of Judah. This verse is stating that he is this father to these people, that he is the one who is the compassionate guardian. He is a benevolent protector over the people of Jerusalem into the house of Judah. He is a benevolent protector, and this is the role of an ideal king, and the ideal king is Jesus. This is how God cares for his people as an eternal king and as an everlasting father. And that's our hope, and that's our focus for today, is to realize that we have Jesus, the Son of God, who is the everlasting Father, the benevolent protector, and the compassionate guardian for us. So why is it important that Jesus is the everlasting Father? And that's the, the points, the truths that we want to pull out this morning. The very first one is this. Jesus is the everlasting Father, which means he has always been and he will always be. He's always been and he will always be. He was there at the very beginning of creation and he will be there at the very end of creation. To realize that when we read about in Scripture in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. When we read that, that God created the heavens and the earth, that Jesus is God, that he was right there with it. When everything that was going on, he saw all of it. That he was right there and that he experienced and that he went through it. He was there in the beginning. John 1, 1 uh, through 3 says this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was, was not anything made that was made. John, in these verses right here, when he's talking about the word, uh, he is echoing the phrasing of Genesis 1-1 when he says, in the beginning. So he's saying in the same beginning that we read about in Genesis 1-1, in that same beginning, the word was there, and the word was with God, and the word was God. This term word conveys a uh, divine self-expression, a, a divine speech. This is God speaking. This is God talking in through the word. And when we read this and read and hear that in the beginning was the word, we are hearing that God was there in the beginning, that he is speaking these things and he speaks them into existence. See, God's word is effective and it speaks and things come into being. Things happen. And by his speech, God relates personally to his people. He relates personally to him. God communicates to us through his word. When we read his word and we dive into it and we hear from his word and he speaks to us that his word is, is complete, it is full, it is effective, it impacts and rearranges the things of our life when we hear God's word and it begins to give us motivation and it gives, begins to give us encouragement, but also gives us accountability, conviction as well. Verse one, it says again, it says, and the word was with God, with this term with God, meaning that Jesus, and, or excuse me, that the word and God, that these indicate an interpersonal relationship with God, that the word and God are connected. They were together. There is a connection there. But then it says, and the word was God. So not only is there connection, but there's also the, the affirmation that this word was also the same God who created the universe, who created everything that we know in the beginning. So the word here that we see, this word is Jesus. John goes, is going to talk about it here later in just a moment. We're going to look at it. But these blocks right here are the building blocks for the doctrine of the Trinity. 
the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, that one true God consists of more than one person, that they relate to each other and that they have always existed and they were all at creation. Jesus was right there. Jesus didn't just come on the scene 2,000 years ago. He was already on the scene a long time ago and the fact that he was there from the beginning. But then he came as a baby that we celebrate each Christmas. And he came as a baby to live a perfect life and to die on a cross for our sins. So what does this mean for us today? It means that his fatherly presence is always with us. His fatherly presence is always with us. If you go look at John uh, 1.14, John identifies this word as Jesus. He says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. The, the message, if you're, if you're not familiar with the message paraphrase, uh, it's a translation done by Eugene Peterson several years ago, uh, putting the scripture into modern day words. And what he says about this verse is he's, he translates it in this way. And he says, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. I like that. That the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Put on skin and moved into the neighborhood. You see, Jesus has some skin in the game. Right? Like he is invested in what's going on in this place. He is invested in everything that's here in creation. He is invested in your life. He's put on skin and he's come into the neighborhood. And I would go a little bit further and say that if you have a relationship with Christ, not only has he moved into the neighborhood, but he's moved into your house. He's moved into your house. You see, he's put on skin and he's come to this, this earth and that he is the word and he's not just God's spoken word, but he is God's physical word and the fact that he came and was born as a baby and lived his years on this earth in a perfect way that he went to the cross and he died for our sin. He's got skin in the game. He's put on blood and flesh so that he can come and live just as real as you and I live right here today. But he's moved into our house, moved into our neighborhood. Anybody ever had a bad roommate? Oh, yeah. We've all had them, right? At some point, you know, somebody like my brother, my sister, you know, whatever it may be. But like some of you, uh, you know, bad, you know, man, let me just tell you, let's just, if we're all open and honest here, right? Like when you got married, man, it messed up your life, right? Like it mixed, it messed up the day in, day out stuff. Uh, all of a sudden somebody's like hogging half of your refrigerator. Uh, they tell you that like, you know, your posters of the sports teams and the athletes on your wall aren't good anymore and you got to take them off. And, you know, like you got to have more than one bath towel, like that means you're a success or something, you know. And so you got to get more than one bath towel because that's what adults do. And, you know, all those kinds of things. And, and like, man, you got to share your bed. And you're like, you know, like I remember I used to sleep like this when I was asleep. Now I sleep like this. And if I got to turn, I'm like, you know, in the bed, you know, that kind of thing. And like you turn and like, man, when I got married, like I love my wife. I mean, she messed up some of my daily life. Like some of the stuff that I like didn't really know was a big deal until she got in the house. Right. But the bad things that come with that, there's also a lot of good things that come with that in there. When you get married and it uh, messes up your life in a good way, you get to share your bed. Right? Like, you know, one, there's a bad, but there's, there's a good one too, right? Like that goes with that. Y'all, you know what I'm talking about, right? Okay, make sure we're clear here. Uh, but like you get to share your bed. And like that was a weird response, okay? Uh, you get to share your uh, bank accounts. You get to share, all of a sudden you got, you know, two people's money together and you get to share uh, the paying of the bills and you get to share responsibilities and like all these different things and they come together and you're putting everything together and you're working together as a team and you get to share in the adventures and the experiences of life. You get to go through those things together. You're not going through them by yourself, but you have somebody with you. And so when you get married and your spouse moves into the house and they move into the neighbor and they move right into your house, it mixes things up a little bit. 
And as great as my wife, when we got married, mixed up the things in my life and brought order into my life were places I didn't even know I needed order, but my God brings more order to my life than I ever could imagine. You see, when God comes in the flesh and he's got skin in the game, and he comes in skin and flesh and blood, and then he comes to this earth and he moves into the neighborhood, and he's moved into my house, man, he mixes it up and he changes and he convicts and he works inside my life to change me, to bring more order than the things that, man, some of it I didn't even know I needed. Mixes it up. Psalms uh, 72, 17 says, May his name endure forever. His fame continue as long as the sun. You see, Jesus was there at the beginning of creation, but he's also going to be there at the end. He's going to be there when it all ends, when creation comes to an end, when this earth dies and passes away, and he is going to be there. He is expanded from the beginning, and he will be there all the way through the end. It reminds me of a, um, a story I heard a couple years, uh, recently actually, just a couple years uh, in the last year, I guess it was, but um, of a couple from the uh, from up north uh, that like to snowbird. Now up up north, where I'm from, the north, and where I come from, we call them snowbirds. People like to come south for the winter and that kind of thing. In Charleston, we just call them people from Ohio. But uh, when you <laughs> when you have these people from the north, this couple decides every year they go to, in the winter they're going to go down south. They're going to go to like Florida and they're going to uh, you know uh, enjoy the summer or enjoy the the warm weather and get away from the snow and the cold weather. And so this husband was really just getting the itch to get down there a little early and like play some golf and all that kind of. So he sets up his plane ticket for a day or two earlier than his wife uh, to get down and play some golf before she gets there. And she's going to kind of you know button up the house and that kind of thing to finish up before she's going to join him. And so when he gets down there, he sends her an email and says, uh, you know, to tell her that, that, he's, that he's made it down there. But when he types out the email, he enters the wrong email address. He has a typo in the email address. And it goes to another woman, a woman that had just lost her husband just a few days earlier, to the point where, like, she's still sitting there in her house grieving and in just sorrow and, like, family surrounding her and all, and just lots of tears flowing and all those kinds of things. And she gets this email and she opens up this email and it says, honey, I've made it. And it's really hot. <laughs> but don't worry, you're joining me tomorrow. <laughs> Love you. You see, I'll tell you that story because here's what I want you to know. That the end of this life is going to come for each and every one of us. And my hope for you is that you have hope in an eternal God an everlasting Father, this everlasting life that is there, that is available to each one of us, because isn't it comforting to know that you can have hope in a God who has seen the end and provides you the only way out, the only way of hope, the only way of life. That's what we get to experience when we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what we get to experience when we have a relationship with Jesus, who is the everlasting Father. The second one for today is that Jesus is the everlasting Father, which means he has knowledge of, knowledge of all things. Jesus has wisdom beyond our understanding. Could we all agree today that we need somebody in our life that has a little bit more wisdom and understanding than we do? We all could, right? Like every one of us could use somebody smarter in our life, and God is that individual. He is the wonderful uh, counselor that we saw uh, just two weeks ago when we looked at that message, that he has the knowledge of all things, and we need his wisdom because he has the knowledge of everything that's gone on, everything that is going on, and everything that is still to come. Now, I was never accused of being the, the smart kid uh, in school, uh, failed ninth grade biology. I took nine years of Spanish, and all I got is like hola and baño, and like that's all I got. 
uh, I, I seed my way through college. Like that, I was never accused of being that kid. So I could use somebody in my life with some wisdom. And God is that person. And no matter how smart you in this room, you think that you are, you need greater wisdom than you can possibly provide yourself. This is the type of God we want to worship. This is the type of God who is smarter and wiser than ourselves. And we have the ability to just tap into that and to experience that and have that provided in, in our own life. Proverbs 2, verse 6 says this, For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth, for the Lord gives wisdom, from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. When you have a relationship with the everlasting Lord, then you have access to his eternal knowledge and understanding. He is the one you go to when times are tough, when your life direction seems to be in question, or when the things that you experience just don't seem to make any sense. See, Christmas season may not be great for a lot of people because they're going through some of these struggles. It's a dark time in their life. For me, about three years ago, I had, went through a dark time in my life. Being in like the fall of 2016, and it lasted about a year and a half till the spring of 18. And I went through this time of anxiety, depression, uh, even some burnout and just struggle. There was nothing that started it, uh, that, that started this entire thing, but it went to the point where I was sleeping only about three to four hours a night because of the anxiety that I was experiencing, feeling like I had this weight just on my chest and there was nothing I could do to stop it. And so I would wake up in the middle of the night and just, you know, in a panic and really struggle with that. And so uh, I had this, this experience that I was going through and it was really a struggle because I didn't know what was causing it or what was making it happen. And then there was other things that happened throughout during that time uh, that made it just even worse. Uh, in that fall uh, of 16 as well, we uh, had five guys that tried to break into my house. And I got, you know, like stopped them before they got into the door. And like, so then that messed with me. And then about a month later, uh, you know, we found out uh, that we were pregnant. And we weren't trying to get pregnant. And we found out we were pregnant. I mean, like, I know what it takes to get pregnant, okay? But like, we weren't trying to get pregnant. And we got pregnant. And then, like, you, you know, nine months later, you know, like, uh, we, had, we had our, our baby, and, uh, who's amazing, and she's awesome. But let me tell you this. For those first couple months of her life, because I was going through all of this anxiety and depression stuff, I was a terrible father, if I'm being really honest. I was an awful husband. And I struggled. I didn't know what it was. I'd break down in tears. There was just this weight that I felt, this burden I was doing. I had been doing student ministry, you know, still was doing that. And man, like the weight and the burden of the students and the teens that were on my heart, like, man, they would wake me up at night and just thinking, like, what, what, what can I do to help reach them for, with the gospel? And like, it just weighed on me and weighed on me. And you know what? The only reason I came out of it was because I got to the point where I realized that I needed to tap into the wisdom of God, that it wasn't about me. It wasn't about my wisdom. It wasn't about my decisions, but it was about me acknowledging that God was in charge and I was his vessel and that he was the one doing the work. And when I got to that point, I began to see things clear up. So what does this mean for us? It means that his fatherly providence is always with us. His fatherly providence is always with us. God knows that you need, or what you need, when you need it, for you to experience him fully. This carries a lot of weight with it when you think about this, uh, that his providence and the fact that he knows what you need and he wants you to experience him to the fullest. And so he knows when you need to struggle and when you need encouragement. He knows when you need failure or when you need hope. He knows when you need solitude and he knows when you need relationship. He knows. 
He's allowing you to experience and go through things because in those moments is when we can look to him and see him and see him work in our life and to provide, uh, he can provide for us. So Romans 8.28 says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Notice this, it doesn't say all things are good. It says all things work together for our good. So in those deep moments, those lows that you have in your life, but also the highs that are in your life, those things work together for your good. He is working in, uh, through these things. And he's working in your life. And sometimes you need to fail or struggle in your life because that's when you have nowhere else to look but up at a mighty God, at a Prince of Peace, at an everlasting Father, at a wonderful Counselor. You see, when I, when I see this and I, and I think about in the moments when we are so low and we have nowhere else to look at except up and we can see God, because here's the thing, in our darkest times is where the light of Jesus is most visible. People, let me tell you this. You may be going through a dark time right now where it seems like you can't tell anything that's going on around you. Everything seems pitch black. Everything seems to be out there to cause you to stumble. You don't know what's coming your way. You, don't, you can't even tell some of it where you've been or what's next to you or what you're going through. And you're in the darkness of, of life, of struggle, of sin. But let me tell you, when you have a relationship with Christ, there is a light. And there's a light that lights up the darkness. And when you are in the darkness, and if you look nowhere else but to the light of Jesus Christ, that's when things begin to make sense. That's when hope begins to just fill your life and fill your heart. And that's when you begin to see and experience God for who he is to his fullest. So in the moments of darkness, the light of Jesus is the most visible and it's also the most needed. Use the season that you're in if it's a dark time right now as a season of preparation, a season of learning, a season of prayer and thanksgiving. Use it. Number three, Jesus is the everlasting Father, which means he has perfect timing. He has perfect timing. See, it's not our timing, it's his perfect timing. And this is possibly the hardest thing for us to latch on to as Christians. We want control of our lives, don't we? This is the hardest thing to be able to hand over control of our life, hand over timing to God and say, God, I know your timing's perfect. I know you're going to take care of this when you want to take care of it, and I'm going to be good with that. We don't often do that. You see, we want control over our lives, don't we? We want control over our family situations. We want control over the things that we go through and experience, the people that are in our life and all of that. It's like we want to go to a drive-thru and order, you know, like, uh, you know, I need a husband with a six-pack and a good work ethic and a 401k and a big bank account. And like, that's what we want, you know? And then like, you know, I want, I want kids. I want, I want a kid. I want, I want, I want a number one with like seven feet tall, an athlete, make lots of money so I can retire at, you know, 50. And I want a, I want a number two with no attitude. And I want, you know, I want a number three that like is just the light of my life and she's great and she's going to take care of me when I'm old or what, you know, all those kinds of things. Like we want to build this perfect situation, this perfect family life. You know, I want to, I want a job that I, you know, I, I don't have to work, but I get paid as if I work a lot. Like that's what we want, right? We want this dream and we want to control these things. But God is telling you and telling each one of us that his timing is perfect, that he is in control. He knows what's happened. He knows what's going on and he knows what's going to come. That is everlasting. So when we see this and we get to hear about him and his perfect timing and that he is an everlasting father. If we go on in Isaiah 64 verse 8, it says this, But now, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay and you are our potter. We are all the work of your hand. God is molding you and shaping you each and every day. We don't always understand why we go through the things we go through, but God is creating a work of art in us. Some of you are here today and you feel... Uh, broken, you feel uh, struggle, you feel 
you know, sins weighing on you or relationships are weighing on you, job, family, all these kinds of things are weighing on you and you feel broken. Let me just tell you this, that God takes broken vessels and he creates beautiful masterpieces. That God is taking the brokenness in your life, the struggles, the, the pain, all of those things, and he's taking all of those, those pieces and he's gonna put them together and mold you and shape you like clay to become a beautiful work of art. That's the everlasting Father. That's the God that we come each and every week and that we worship and that we dive into and invest uh, in his word because we, we may be in a season of grief or uh, depression, uh, anxiety, sadness, confusion, whatever it may be, but we can know that God's timing doesn't usually line up with ours, but he knows all things past and present and he, as he has laid out his will. So what does this mean for us? His fatherly protection is always with us. His fatherly protection is always with us. A father protects his children, and the everlasting father always does this. In fact, he never fails to do so. John 10, 10 to 11, this is an important verse around here at Coastal that we like. Uh, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I've heard Pastor Chris say those words about a thousand times. I may have, they, they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. See, a shepherd acts like a father in the way that he watches over his sheep, in the way that he protects his sheep. And the fact is, is that Jesus is the good shepherd. He is the perfect shepherd, and he has laid down his life for you so that you may live. That's what this is about. His effort to protect you is perfect, and it is complete. The death that on the cross that Jesus went through is enough, and it is enough and complete and perfect enough to fulfill the sin that is in your life. He died on the cross in your place. He took the sin that you have and that I have. He took all the sin of, of the world and he put it on his own shoulders. But he also put your name and your face on his heart because he was dying in place of you for your sin. And he took it on himself and he died in this way. And he did all of these things and died in your place so that you can walk free. This is the role of a benevolent protector, a compassionate guardian, and an everlasting father. When we hear about this Jesus who is eternal and the fact that he's seen it all, he knows what's coming, that's the kind of God I want to plug into. That's the kind of Jesus I want to worship. That's the kind of, of God I want to uh, be in my life. That's the God that has invested in what's going on here and the fact that he's got skin in the game, that he has put on flesh and blood and that he has moved into the neighborhood, that he is here. He's walking along through the dark times and through the tough times and the struggles that you're facing and through this season for some of you, maybe right now that you're going through, he's walking through that with you, right by your side. The question is, are you going to rely on him? Are you going to lean on him? Are you going to grab a hold of his neck and let him pull you through that? Or are you going to continue to try to do it on your own? And today I want to just ask you this, will you today place your faith and trust in him as Lord and Savior? He's the one that knows all things and has created all things. For some of you, you've already done this. And for you, I want to ask you this. Will you, stop, will you commit today to stop running to the next thing, the next self-help guru, uh, the next job promotion or achievement, the next drink, the next drug, the next relationship, the next one-night stand or sexual conquest? Will you stop running to those things to find fulfillment and we start running towards the God who is the everlasting Father, the God who is the Prince of Peace, the mighty God, the wonderful Counselor. Because this is the God that has some skin in the game. 
Man, he has invested in you and what you're going through, and he is right there. He is the light in the darkness that you need to tap into. The question is, will you do it? Thanks for listening. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, have a blessed day.